Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And this week we talked to John Windau from the Division of Wildlife about their controlled hunts opportunities. So if you listen to this episode shortly after it comes out, there'll still be time to enter into the controlled hunts and enter into the lotteries for those. And there's also some opportunities that may come up throughout the year that we learned about in this episode. So there's good information on that. But the the online application that, that I think most people are familiar with closes July 31st, the end of July. So if you listen to this episode right when it comes out, there'll still be time. Otherwise, this information should still be good for next year. We asked a lot of uh, I know the the questions that we've had in the past, sort of general, how do the hunts work? When I get drawn, then what? How am I notified? What sort of extra requirements are there? Are there any extra requirements? Um, you know, how many guys are going to be there? Are there going to be guys hunting right next to me? Am I told exactly where to go? Or do I just get assigned a zone? Like all of those questions. Basically anything that you would wonder or I guess anything that we've wondered about the controlled hunts and, and how they work and how they're managed. So hopefully if you've been on the fence about the controlled hunts or had some questions about them, hopefully this episode answers them for you and it'll be a good one to refer back to next year if you miss the deadline for this year. So before we get into that conversation, I want to stop and talk about Mastin's Deer Sense. I bet you thought I was going to say Monster Whitetail Grub, didn't you? So... Monster Whitetail Grub is still a sponsor, but we've also picked up Mastin's as a sponsor, and they are uh, what I'm considering a premier scent product provider. So they've got all of your deer scents. They've got scents that I've not seen anywhere else. Um, One of them they call Buck Reaper, which I'm excited to use this fall. And they've also got predator scents, you know, coyote and and bear and things like that. Um, But for our concern, we're, we're primarily looking at the deer sense and they've got products that I've not seen other places and the prices are honestly very reasonable. So one of the products that I've not seen anywhere else is what they call a double scent stack. And so you get a, a scented candle. It goes down in the bottom of this, this metal cylinder. And so it protects the flame, keeps it from blowing out. And it's a deer scented candle. It, it's when you smell these things, they are like overwhelmingly powered deer scent. And then you get another sort of like the scent warmers that you've seen in your house for, you know, flowery scents and things like that, where it's a light bulb that, that heats the scent. Well, this is, you've got the candle underneath and it's, then you've got another scent up in the tray that it heats and disperses the scent. So, you can layer scents by doing that mix and match. You can, you know, any time of year, if it's, if it's during the rut, if it's early season, you could do all different things. It, it, it gives you so many options. And so I'm really looking forward to trying that out. And they've just got a lot of options and a lot of different scents and the prices are really, really good. So we're excited to have them as a sponsor. Check out mastinsdeersense.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about spelling that or anything. Make it easy for you. Just click the link, check out their products, and get ready to uh, hopefully have some action this fall over some of their scents. Now, let's get into the conversation with John. 
Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, we've got John Windau on the show today, and we are going to talk about the ODNR controlled lottery hunts. So, John, first of all, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. I know it's uh, after normal working hours, so I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, if you would, could you kind of tell us and the audience what it is you do for the ODNR and I guess your title and some of your, your uh, responsibilities, if you will. So I'm the communications manager and essentially I oversee our outreach efforts in term of communications. So things like our social media, our magazine news releases, um, kind of all, anything that pertain, basically that goes out to the public. Okay. And how long you been doing that? I think I've been in this role maybe five years. Um, I've been with the division about almost 25 years now, though. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about the controlled hunts, the lottery hunts. So I think what I want to do is sort of general, do you guys call them controlled hunts or lottery hunts, or how do you guys refer to them? Generally controlled hunts. Okay. So... We're going to talk about controlled hunts, and what I want to do is start off with sort of general controlled hunt questions, if you will, mm-hmm. how they work, that sort of thing, and then get into some some maybe more specific things about if you are to get drawn, that sort of thing. Sure. So, um, before, we, before we started this call, we did a pre-call, and you mentioned there's a lot of different types of controlled hunts. So, when we initially reached out to you guys... My my initial thought was let's talk about the the online applications that I think most people are aware of. Um, if they're not, can you kind of give a a high level overview of the online controlled hunts, and then from there go into some of the other opportunities that people might not be as familiar with? Yeah. So the what we term the online controlled hunts. Uh, we do them every year and there are a group of controlled hunting opportunities. Uh, the application period is generally June through July, um, kind of roughly in that period. And most people apply online through the computer system, which is why it's called online. Although we do have a phone option uh, with a convenience fee available, as well as a mail-in application for those people that don't have internet access and i just to pause you for one second for people that aren't familiar and correct me if i'm wrong but that's through the the same portal where you buy your license and tags and things right correct yes and then so they just go into their account and just like they're purchasing a license or a permit they would apply for as many controlled hunts as they want to apply for and are eligible for Um, and each time they would apply for a hunt it would be three dollars okay and the elig- you mentioned eligibility. So you have different, um, like disabled hunters or youth hunters, right? That's sort of like your, your yeah, eligibility. We have, um, general, what we call adult hunts. We have, 
the uh, youth hunts, uh, mobility impaired hunts, and then we do have some women's hunt as well. Okay. All right. And then so people apply for whichever ones uh, they want to apply for and are eligible. Um, and then the application deadline, like I said, is generally July 31st. The system closes down. Uh, we accept any of the mail-in ones that are postmarked. Um, and then the system basically generates, uh, by random, uh, the system generates the drawings for all the hunts that people apply for. So it's it, every, your name goes into sort of an electronic hat, if you will, and then you've got an, uh, like a random number generator, if you will, that picks X number of names for a specific hunt that people applied for. Is that, did I summarize that correctly? Yes. And so for, for the mail-in applications, you guys are taking mail-in applications and manually entering those into that database then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's sort of the, I would say probably the thing that most people are aware of or may have stumbled on because it's online, right? Yeah. So you also mentioned there's like daily hunts or some other in-person type controlled hunts. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. And I, you know, the terminology, what you want to call them, people change a little bit. Sometimes we've done some, and these are kind of like outlier ones that don't fit in or for whatever reason, the timing doesn't work. Um, and for a variety of reasons, we do other um, application ways. And so one of those is kind of like a postcard where, and these are sometimes our hunts that maybe come up at the last minute or whatever, or we working with, say a partner agency, a Metro park or something like that. And those would be ones that we work and then people would mail in like mail a postcard. And those again are generally smaller for a smaller number of people. Um, and then can, those are random as well. Um, and then we also have the in-person style where someone may show up at a set time and location. We do a news release ahead of time. We announce it on Facebook and social media and that, and people show up and they sign up that day and everyone's name and what card gets put into a big hopper and they generally they'll pull them out or pull their number out or whatever. And then they get selected for specific units um, or hunt dates and those kind of things. And then lastly, we have what we call our daily draws. And that would be where uh, a hunter would show up to um, that day that they want to hunt. And there's X number of slots that day and they show up and you get, you sign in, you register, you get a number, and then that gets thrown into a hopper. And again, as you get drawn, you pick what unit you want based on the order you're selected. So how are people made aware about those, like the daily ones you mentioned? Again, we do announce, um, have some of that on our website. Um, a lot of times it's word of mouth. We do put some of that information out through news releases. But again, um, a lot of that is, is people are aware of those. They see them, we, they see them online. We do have all that information on our website under the controlled hunting um, op opportunities. Okay. Uh, so one thing you mentioned, the, uh, the smaller or the, like the postcard mm -hmm. opportunities, you said, you know, it might be like a last minute thing. What would cause a controlled hunt to be a last minute scenario like that a lot of times maybe a metro park or a municipality would come to us and it's too late or, uh, to get into this to put this in the system or maybe it's smaller and they don't want um you know thousands and thousands for like five people if it's a smaller one for like five people 
Uh, so generally, we tend to work with them, do a news release, a local news release or a news release to go out and inform people about those opportunities. So do the do all of the Metro Park hunts, are they kind of in connection with you guys or can Metro Parks offer hunts on their own? They can do both. Sometimes okay. they want to partner with us for a variety of reasons. Uh, sometimes, you know, and our involvement can be limited. Uh, could be, again, they don't even have to work with us, uh, depending on what they need to do, what resources they have, what resources we can help them do. So, uh, again, it's all over the board. And I municipalities see. are the same way. Sometimes they do everything on their own. Sometimes they want assistance from us, whether that be just helping take registration or, um, again, a lot of times we help them kind of lay the foundation and, and help them run it as well. So. Okay. Kind of all over the board. Okay. Want to pause here for a quick minute to talk about Monster Whitetail Grub. So as you guys know, Monster Whitetail Grub has been sponsoring the Ohio Huntsman podcast for, for a while now. So we really appreciate that. And they have everything that you'll need for your deer feed and deer mineral options. So as we're coming into deer season, if you're wanting to start feeding deer to kind of get them on a pattern for early season, check them out. They're also working on a new product that I can't talk about yet, but hopefully here soon we'll be able to announce it, and uh, it'll be another product for you guys to check out from Monster Whitetail Grub. So if you will, check them out. I'll put a link in the show notes, make it easy to find them, and check out the products they have to offer. And now let's get back to the conversation with John. So I know, the at least for the online applications, uh, the hunts that you guys make available year to year can change. So what what sort of criteria or I guess how do you guys decide which hunts you're going to offer year to year? Great question. And <laughs> it's really a lot of these hunts um, are determined more at the local level, the need. Um, you know, we have a base. I would say we have a base, a core group that are there every year. And then. There are some that come and go here and there, depending on opportunity and need. So it kind of depends why we have the controlled hunts. Some of them are for management purposes. You have an area that is overpopulated with deer, um, so they need to adjust the population and increase pressure. But maybe it's an area that you have to limit or control access. Maybe it's, you know, again, near you know, municipality or cities, or again, for whatever reason, you can't just open it up. So okay. for those purposes, uh, again, sometimes limited numbers, we have a controlled hunt. Then there are other opportunities that we do controlled hunts for, whether it's just a good way to promote um, or good. We have, you know, an area where you can get access from mobility impaired. So it's a good opportunity for that. Or Again, sometimes we have areas that are maybe really good for um, high quality hunting opportunities, whether that be great for waterfowl or, you know, big trophy deer or those kind of things. So those are kind of like little special high quality hunts that we can promote and encourage people to have an opportunity to apply for. Okay, I see. All right. Um, so, Jacob, Jeff, do you guys have any questions you know that these are kind of like before you get drawn sort of general um controlled hunt questions you guys have any questions along those lines that we haven't covered yet 
Well, uh, let's get into what are there controlled hunts for? What animals are there controlled hunts for? I know there's whitetail. I know there's waterfowl. But do you guys do controlled hunts for, for other species as well? Those are the two main species, although we do have some controlled dove hunts. And then we, um, which are new this year, we have five new hunts for dove, mostly in the District 1 area in the central Ohio region. And then we do have, which last year were the first time, we have a couple of quail hunts uh, that were opportunities. So that was something new we started last year in Crown City Wildlife Area down in Gallia County. So the quail hunts were, that was, those are wild birds or those released birds? Wild birds. Okay. Cool. Okay. And those are the main, um, we do have some other controlled hunting opportunities or trapping. We have some controlled trapping is another thing we do. Those are more of the, um, you show up and put kind of a name, a postcard kind of thing in, but, uh, or show up that day and, and do some drawings to get picked what, units you have throughout the season but uh, mm-hmm. for the online that's these are the species for the most that we have mm-hmm. yeah the other question i see a lot online um or you know people complaining about online um the the three dollar application fee is that strictly for administrative expenses or does that go towards conservation or what does that three dollars go towards um, so we're not making money uh, with the $3. Again, it's a nominal fee just to, um, yeah, again, just to help support the processing and all the paperwork and everything to do it. Um, yeah. So I guess on the, on the flip side of that, on these, you mentioned some of these like really premier spots for, for waterfowl or something. Why don't you charge you know, because I know like some of the Western states, right, they've got application fees and things and, and it's much more than three dollars. Right. Yeah. And if you get drawn, then you buy your your tags or, or whatever. Is it just your guys' standard practice to not sort of make that as a, uh, a conservation funding avenue? Or why don't you guys, I guess, for some of the more premier controlled hunts charge? Um yeah, and that would be an administrative decision. Um, I know, you know, for us, it's not a moneymaker. Again, a lot of these are management, so we want to encourage people to apply and hunt. Uh, the other ones are, again, opportunities. So, yeah, we've not done that as a moneymaker option. The other thing to look at, and again, I'm not well-versed in it, but you need to make sure that you're not, um, you know, jeopardizing any uh, other funding sources by doing that. But again... I think okay. it's more of an administrative decision. We just haven't gone that way. Okay. I'm certainly not complaining. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> just asking the question. <laughs> All right. Jeff, did you have any other follow-ups to that? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. So then I think from here, let's say you've got drawn and these are all so we've participated in some of these, but, uh, you know, so some of these questions I, I think I know the answer to, or, or I do know the answer to, but I want to ask them for people that have never participated or, you know, had questions and are therefore, um, you know, nervous about participating or entering because they're just unsure of what they're getting into. So sure. let's say you get drawn. Um, let's talk about an online hunt. So I'm assuming you get notified online, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. And, I guess walk us through 
how that works. So you get notified, yep, you've been picked for this hunt and and I'm, I know it's going to depend on what hunt you've been drawn for and things, but are you then told, um, you know, a, a window of time that you're allowed to hunt, a day that you need to show up? How does that first sort of contact work? Yeah, so I guess the first thing is anyone that we have an email address for, they're notified that, hey, the drawings have happened. Go check out your account. And then... People that are um, successfully drawn are also notified and they receive in the mail information that, hey, you've been, a, you've received, you've won, you know, whatever you were drawn for this hunt. Here's a little bit of information, but go to your account for more information and then they can log in and they will receive. And there's information there about the hunt with all the rules, um, information about the unit, the date. Um, anything special that they need to know. Generally, there'll be some maps, you know, whether that's the online or they get that in the mail, but all that information is usually given to the, the person that gets it. And as well as a contact information and, you know, coming from a wildlife area where we've, we run a lot of these, we do get a lot of calls from people that have, that are new to it, that haven't hunted, they'll call in and with whatever questions they have, whether that be how to get there or closest hotel or you know kind of the rules or the lay of the land again a lot of the people aren't even familiar with these whether they're they don't know if they're they're forested or grasslands or any of that kind of information sure. so um staff on hand will help kind of walk through through and answer those questions for them okay so and again this might depend on if it's a waterfowl hunt or if it's a if it's a whitetail hunt or but when you are awarded a a slot in a controlled hunt are you given a a zone, a chunk of, of ground to hunt, or are you told, like, this is the stand that you go to and this is the spot where you hunt? Uh, it depends. It could be either. So for for a lot of our waterfall ones, they're kind of given a zone or, or a blind, depending on the hunt and where they're at. Um, the deer, they're, for the deer ones, they're usually given, like, a zone that you can hunt within this area. So that's kind of, or you have to start at this parking lot and you have to hunt this area kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. And, and that goes along with the maps that you mentioned. Correct. And just for completeness sake, I'm, I mean, assuming you're not allowed access or anything prior to your day, but just to confirm that it's like, basically you show up with just maps and then you have to go in and find your spot all the day you're hunting, right? You don't have Correct. access. Now, a lot of people will go and you can kind of drive the roads and sometimes get the lay of the land. Uh, but yeah, that's generally the rule. Our controlled trapping are a little different. Sometimes they're given access to come in like a scouting day or whatever ahead of time. But for most of these kind of hunts, the, the hunting themselves, yeah, you, uh, you show up and uh, yeah, you just kind of get that unit that day. Okay, so when when you're hunting one of the so let's say for a whitetail hunt, you're you're assigned a zone. Is there a chance that you know, say you go in before it gets light and um, sun comes up and you look over and just across the boundary there's another guy? Like are are there are there zones that are right next to each other or, or how far are people from each other in, in one of these? Hunts? And it varies. Some of our deer hunts, there are multiple people in that zone. It's, you're not the only one in there. So okay. it could be other people in there. Um, 
generally our waterfowl hunts, you have that zone or you have that blind in that area and you're the only one in there. But for the deer hunts, we often have a set number, whether that be two or three or whatever, depending on the size of the unit, people in that unit, uh, sometimes they're all going from the same parking lot. Sometimes they might be a parking lot like on the next road over or something like that. So again, it really varies on the size of the unit and the property and how many are in that area, how many deer are in that area, how much, how thick the property is, all those kind of things. Okay. So in one of these hunts, if you get drawn, are you allowed to bring a guest with you or is it just you and you alone? Uh, really varies from unit to unit. So some of them you apply with a partner. Some of them you're allowed to bring a partner you name at that time. Some of them uh, you can actually bring a couple partners. So it really depends on which hunt. And so that's when you're applying. We have a, a publication or book that we usually put out around the time the application um, for the online ones that kind of explains which ones and how many, whether or how many people can come with the hunter. Okay. So we talked a little bit about, you know, when, when you get your information, it's going to talk about the requirements and things. Mm -hmm. Typically, are there other reporting requirements other than you need to check your deer like you normally would, or are there extra steps that you need to follow? Um, you know, obviously you, you check in when you get there because they want to know you're sh you've showed up. They go through additional rules and regulations, safety procedures, anything else. They just make people aware, you know, where the boundaries are. Again, any of the other rules, because again, these are limited access, controlled access. So there's special rules that apply. Um, and then again, people go out and hunting, follow the rules, have a successful day. Whether it's successful or not, they often have to come back and check in just so we know they're done and they're gone. And then again, if they've shot, you know, deer hunts, obviously you have to check in your deer, but waterfowl hunts, they'll typically come in and check in any birds they shoot. Uh, they'll age and identify all those and keep it for data purposes. Okay. Because so the reason I asked that is, is um, we participated in one of the Metro Parks hunts and one of the requirements there was, you know, not only did you have to um, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that you used a, a, you know, a state tag. Anyway, you had to call like the, the, um, park ranger and they had to come out and give you a, a slip of paper saying, yep, we were here. This is, everything's on the up and up as part of participating in that hunt. And then when the hunt was done, you had to, um, submit a survey on, you know, uh, wildlife observations and, things like that, how many, how many deer you ended up taking that kind of thing as a, uh, I'm sure as a, as a data collection tool for them on how effective these hunts are being. Um, and that actually, if you didn't return that survey, I think it precludes you from, from entering into that, that controlled hunt application system in the future. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, they, they placed a pretty high, uh, premium, I guess, on that information. Yeah. And we do like some of our daily drawings, um, they take, for waterfowl, they take information like that when you return your permit, you know, whether you've shot any birds or not, um, how many hours you've hunted, because that kind of helps them an idea on pressure. You know, if you get five birds in one hour, that's a lot different than five birds in five hours. So they look at that kind of pressure that's happening on those to help manage those and sure. adjust those. So, okay. Um, 
So another question, if in, in the archery hunts, is there any kind of a archery proficiency requirement, meaning you've got to show up uh, at some prearranged date and, you know, shoot three arrows within an eight inch circle from 20 yards or something? Are there any kind of proficiency requirements? Not the division hunts, none that I'm aware of, at least. All okay. of ours are open. Now, I do know a lot of the, you know, the metro parks or municipalities, when they do controlled hunts, they do those. Mm-hmm. Um, again, most of our controlled hunts for the Division of Wildlife are on wildlife areas. They're just in, again, uh, refuge areas or maybe on a on a hatchery, um, those kind of things. So. I see. Those are more closed areas we're allowing people onto versus a little different when you have, again, right in a, a you know, about butts up to someone's neighborhood, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So I guess kind of continuing in this vein, um, let's say you, you shoot a deer and you've been assigned a zone, right? You shoot a deer inside your zone and it runs outside of your zone. Mm-hmm. How do you, what, what are the, typical guidelines on handling a situation like that and those are usually handled they'll let you know you know what kind because every area might be a little different on how they handle that and that's not uncommon but the morning that's one of the reasons they have you check in in the morning they go through the rules and they'll generally tell you what what to do in those kind of situations whether they're you know how to handle that if they come back and check first and they'll go and retrieve it or how they want to do that um, okay again all of them are a little different on how to do that. Okay. All right. Jake, Jeff, you guys uh, been quiet. What kind of questions do you have? Yeah. So I know some of these controlled hunts are on um, sort of more high security areas, um, property that's owned by NASA or by the military. Um, is there any special requirements um, to be able to get onto those facilities? Um, are you required to do a background check or anything like that? That's a great question. And, and yes, uh, particularly for the NASA hunt, there are um, special security background checks that you need to have done. And so, you know, all that information does get relayed to you. And we have it on our website when that happens, because those are federal facilities. Uh, yeah. And I know like last year, with the shutdown of the federal government that we had to adjust and move some hunts because of that, because of the security requirements that they do. But yeah, all those are done. They're done through the FBI, I believe, or maybe through your local sheriff, you can do some paperwork. So, and then submit them and then they look at them and approve everything. But that's a great question. The question I had, um, is there, I guess, are the draw results, public information like if you don't draw because i know there's a lot of obviously people apply and then they don't get drawn so then of course they default to it's rigged the system's rigged you know they only draw their buddies so like are the results public can you go review who's drawn for what hunt that's a great question i don't remember Uh, we've had some system changes and i apologize i'm not sure uh i know in the past we've listed all that with a caveat, the youth ones aren't. I think it, the youth ones are listed under the parent, but I believe the adult ones are listed as least who's drawn. Okay. And it is, it's just a list of, yes, who's drawn. Okay. Dates. Okay. And is there any, um, if you are drawn, is there any type of 
period of time where you're not eligible to be drawn again, like say two years, three years, like if no, you're drawn. No, we don't okay. do any of that kind of point system drawing. So one thing I, to, to jump back on the background check thing, when are you required to have a background check before applying or? Once no, you it would get... be before you hunt. Okay. And again, that's, that's on, that really applies to like the NASA hunt. Okay. Um, and, and, and maybe the, um, ones up there in Northeast Ohio at the old Ravenna. I'm not okay. sure on the current status of that, but I know the NASA ones, they do require it. Again, that's some stuff. And we have information to kind of walk people through that. That's, you know, a hunt that we run uh, in conjunction to help NASA, but it's not really our property. So we have to follow their rules. Sure. And so what happens in a scenario where somebody gets drawn and, they didn't know there was a background check requirement or they failed a background check. Do, do you guys pick the next person in line or how does that work? I'm not sure. That's a great question. I don't know. Okay. I don't know that I am assuming it goes left blank because we don't have the option to go back in and redraw and notify everyone and they wouldn't have time to go do that background check. I see. Uh, again, they basically people are showing up and having all that completed, so. Okay. All right. Jake, Jeff, you guys have any other questions? I've, John answered all my questions uh, flawlessly, so. I don't think I have anything else. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's ran through most of uh, the burning questions I had and kind of what I had seen, you know, from the public, so, yeah. Oh, I did have, I did have one other, um, this is more just comes from a complaint I've heard, not really a personal question. Um, but I know there's been some like feedback, just again, people complaining on the internet. Um, like, how do you handle the situation where, because it's a, you know, government quote unquote hunt, you know, the ODNR or whatever sponsors it. But then like, is there any type of, is, or is it, as long as you have a license, you can apply for it? Or is there any, do you have to be a resident of Ohio or can out-of-state hunters, as long as they have an out-of-state license, apply? Yeah, as long as they have a hunting license, uh, people can apply whether they're, again, uh, non-resident, resident. Yeah, we don't have any anything like that. You know, obviously, other than like the youth things, you have to be a youth and qualify for as that. Uh, you know, mobility impaired, you have to qualify for those. But again, yeah, uh, non-resident residents, Anyone, as long as you have a hunting license, you can apply. So, Jake, you've you've seen people complaining about out-of-state people yeah, being able basically. to apply? Yes, basically. Out-of-state people or, you know, the other issue that I've seen come up is when they, because I, my question was sort of a loaded question about are the results posted? Because I know they used to be because I've looked through them before. Um, I don't know if they still are, obviously, if things have changed, but um I've also seen issues where, you know, just solely based on someone's last name, people assume that they don't pay taxes and then how are they qualified and that kind of stuff. I've oh. seen a lot of animosity towards that in some of the groups online. Interesting. All right. Well, John, is there, uh, I guess, any closing thoughts you want to leave us with on the on the controlled hunt front? Uh, yeah, just check out wildohio.gov if you're interested in any of the controlled hunts. Again, as we get them, we post them and post the rules. 
the online ones uh, generally close July 31st. But again, we have other opportunities that come up, whether it be the controlled trapping opportunities we have. Uh, there are, again, some of these other ones that pop up, uh, shorter, smaller ones, local ones. And then again, we do have the Castelia fishing drawings that come out in the spring. So that's another controlled opportunity for people to get out there and again, just opportunity to get out and enjoy our resources. Awesome. So we'll be sure to put a link to that in our, in our show notes so that people can find that easily. And if people have questions about any of this, um, what's the best way to, to get those questions answered? Uh, you can always call 1-800-WILDLIFE. That's our call center. And they're very knowledgeable about our controlled hunts. Again, you could always check out the website, wildohio.gov, and then just type in controlled hunts or go down on the navigation bar on the left-hand side, hunting, and, and go to the controlled hunt stuff. There's a lot of information, rules. But again, we do recognize that there's a lot of different hunts and, and the, you know, depending on what you're looking at, the nuances. So again, if you have questions, just give us a call. 1-800-WILDLIFE, and we'd be happy to answer them. Awesome. Well, like I said, John, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us, and uh, hopefully this is educational and helpful for people that are that are looking at participating in something like this. So thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. So, like I said, hopefully that answers all of your questions that you've had about the controlled hunts. Hopefully if you put in for the controlled hunts, you get drawn and you have some success this fall. Good luck to everybody, and if you haven't seen, hopefully you've seen that we've got a new website and some new shirt designs, so our website is ohiohuntsman.com. Make it easy. There'll be, of course, a link to that in the show notes as well. Check it out. There'll be articles, our, all of our apparel. That's going to be the hub of Ohio Huntsman going forward, so check out our new website, and hopefully you found this information helpful. If you did, give it a like, share it, and the one cool thing that you can do that so that we can see that you listen to the episode and that you like the episode, as you're listening to the episode, or, or I guess now here at the end of the episode, stop and take a screenshot of your player, whatever you're using to listen to it, and share it to social. Share it in your stories or whatever. Share it in your feed and tag us. That way we can see it, and that way we know that you listen to it and you like the content. So... With that, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.